0: Father, before you this morning, we acknowledge, Jesus, what you've done for us by coming to the earth, by dying on the cross. And Father, I love this response that we've just sung, and I pray that this would be the truth coming out of our hearts, that we would pour out our affection at your feet, I praise you for your word. I thank you for the gift that it is. I pray that as we seek your word this morning, that we would hear from you, that we would experience the voice of your spirit challenging and encouraging and nudging us along in the way that you want us to go. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Covenant family, and good morning to all of you uh, viewing online. It is a pleasure to be here worshiping together on this fourth Sunday in Advent. I want to invite you to uh, pick out, take out your Bible, and I hope you have one with you, and turn with me to John 14, verses 1 through 6. And we're going to walk through this passage this morning and, and seek to apply it as we go. So that's 1 John 14 verses 1 through 6 and I'll say just a few things about the context before we start reading this passage. What has just happened, Jesus is sitting down with his disciples near the end of his ministry on earth and and he's just been with them um, and he has washed their feet And then following that up, he's told them that they should go and love others in this way. So he's called them to this radical kind of sacrificial love. In this uh, conversation, he's also told them that one of them are going to betray him, that Peter is going to deny him. and, And then he tells them, this is the big news, that he's going to be leaving soon and they can't come With him so that's the context that that we have when we enter into chapter 14 in John verse 1 and we read this Jesus says then to them next do not let your hearts be troubled let's just pause there Do do you realize what what just happened okay um they he told them that he was gonna be betrayed he was gonna be denied they need to love the world in this radical sacrificial love that that seems unrealistic And he's going to be leaving soon, and they can't come with him. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. So perhaps the disciples are saying, what? What? Do you you realize what you've just told us in this last bit of time? Some of us, as as we hear things like this in Scripture, do not let your hearts be troubled. Or or we read Paul telling us to to not be anxious about anything. And and we can respond in a similar way, saying, what? What? Do you, I mean, God, do you realize who is being put in, in important government positions right now? Do you realize that, that, um, that religious freedom could be going away soon? God, do you realize we're in the midst of a global pandemic? Do you know that people are sick and dying? Do you know that businesses are going bankrupt? Schools and churches are struggling to meet I mean, not to mention that we live in a fallen world and people are hurt and hungry and alone. And and you're telling us not to let our hearts be troubled? I mean, what reality is that reasonable or even possible? I think right now, I mean, the number of you that I'm looking at, how many of you struggle to sleep at night because you are troubled your heart is troubled about the state of life so jesus goes on the next thing he says to his disciples he says you believe in god and and that's true the disciples would have thought yes we believe in a sovereign god he's he's in control he's the lord of all of creation yes we believe in god jesus says believe also in me So the disciples, again, yes, you know, we believe you are the Messiah. The Messiah is the one who came to save the world. So they may have paused in their thoughts there and thought, all right, Jesus, um, despite everything our five senses are telling us right now, our five senses which you gave us, despite everything our five senses are telling us, yes, we believe that you Will be faithful to your promise. You will save the world. It doesn't look like it right now. You're telling us you're leaving. Um, but yes, we believe that you are the Messiah. You will come, have come to save the world. So then the next thing um, Jesus says as we, we go on um, well, and first let me just pause on this. this the, the disciples acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah amidst, you know, the trouble that they lived in with Roman rule, they looked at who Jesus was, what he taught, what he said, what he did, and they came to the conclusion that, yes, they believed that he was the promised Messiah sent from God. And I think this is, this is right for us to pause in this moment and, and for each of us to question, all right, do we believe that Jesus is the promised Savior of the world? Do you look at what you see in Scripture, what you see of Jesus in Scripture, what you've experienced of him in Scripture and in the lives of those around you, do you see that and do you conclude that, yes, I believe that Jesus is the promised Savior of the world? As we um, consider that, I want to look um, continue moving on to this next uh, verse. In verse two, the next thing Jesus says is this. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? So, you know, First, it's helpful to know that in verse 33 and 36, Jesus had told his disciples that he was going to be leaving. And, and where he was going, they couldn't go with him, but, but eventually he would, um, he would come back and, and they would be able to go with him then. So the bottom line of this is here, if I'm one of the 12, and I know that Jesus is king, and I've spent much of the last three years of my life with him in, in many ways i've turned my life upside down in the last three years and i've spent time with him and it's been amazing i want if i'm a disciple i want to go where he is going i want to be with him because i have come to love jesus i've come to trust him i've come to to depend on him, So nothing will rock my world more as a disciple after having come to know Jesus, after having been with him, than if he tells me that he's going away and I can no longer be with him. I want us to move into that, that perhaps panic that I think the disciples would have been feeling. Imagine if a loved one tells you that they are going away. You don't know where they're going, and you can't go with them. I'm fairly certain that your heart would be deeply troubled. Jesus continues in verse 3, and he says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. So at this point, I think the disciples are thinking, Whew! Okay, so, so I, don't, I don't get it. I don't know why he's leaving, but, but he is coming back and we will again be with him. I love to picture, uh, picture this deep affection that the disciples had for Jesus after spending much of three years day in and day out with him. Experiencing you know, Jesus in this um, perfect kindness and perfect Uh, compassion, perfect understanding. Can you imagine what it would be like to be with someone like that? Jesus, I mean, showed them what it was like to be known completely, to be loved unconditionally. After experiencing that with him, the prospect of losing that would be deeply troubling. So then we we continue on in verse 4. Jesus says, You know the way to the place where I am going. (laughs) And at this point, you know, I I think the disciples maybe bounce back to panic and they say, no, 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 we don't. We don't know the place where you're going. What? Uh, We look in in verse 5. Thomas says, uh, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we think about that. We know now on this side of the cross and the resurrection that we know that the place he was going was into peace with the heavenly Father. And the way to get there is through faith in the Son of God. So through faith in the Son of God, I can have peace with the living God. If you've not made the decision before to put your faith in the Son of God, then I encourage you to respond to this passage today by doing so. If you look at what you read in Scripture and what you experience of God's followers, if you look at that and you see that that Jesus I believe he was the one who came to save the world and through what he did on the cross that he offers a way for me to have peace with God if you place your life of faith in Jesus that is the way to enter into peace with God so faith in the son of God involves an intellectual assent to the claims of scripture and also a heart posture, which is, which is a love, a response of love, which is obedience. Or obedience, which is love. If you love Jesus, then you too, like the disciples, will follow him. You will long to be with him. Not because of what he'll do for you or give to you, but because of who he is. He is love. He is everything that that I am made to to desire and long for. He is everything that that all of us are made to long for and desire. Think of his compassion and his grace and his kindness that he pours out on us. His character is beautiful beyond words of explanation such that, that the angels in heaven are proclaiming his praise and his glory day and night forever and ever we should long for him we should long to be with him so the question is do you long to be with him do i long to be with jesus i think of uh recently i went to lowe's And I found an item at Lowe's that was on a clearance price. And it was something I'd been looking for for a while. And the only catch was that there were only so many of these items at a Lowe's store. And I needed a number of these items. And they told me, well, you can go to other Lowe's stores and pick up the other ones on clearance. So so I set out on a mission to visit as many Lowe's stores as I could to pick up this item. so soon, you know, so there's not many Lowe's stores in Lafayette. Well, it just so happened that uh, I was in Indianapolis with uh, Josiah. We had an appointment in Indy. And after, my, after that appointment, I, I thought, you know what? I think I just need to hit maybe four different Lowe's around the Indy area. And, and I hope Josiah's is all right as I take him with me and we, you know, I drag him in and out of these different Lowe's stores looking for this certain item. So we did that, and, and I mean, we did it for a long time. We hit four maybe five different lows in Indianapolis and and at some point I'm feeling pretty bad because I think you know this has got to be miserable for poor Josiah and Josiah looks up at me and and he's having a great time and why is he having a great time because he's just enjoying conversation we're talking about this and that as we drive in and out of different lows and and he's just enjoying being with me and you know the, two days later I took a day off, and I decided I needed to just hit a few more lows in Indianapolis. So I told my kids, I know, it's Yeah, that's what I thought they were going to say. So I, I told my kids, you know what, I need to go a few more lows. I'm going to be out uh, uh, out of the house for a few hours, um, and then I'll be back this afternoon. And Josiah says, can I come with you? I say, you want to come with me to all, in and out of all these lows again? And he, and he says, yes. He just... He wanted to be with me. I think about that and I think, do I, do we desire to be, do we desire to just be with Jesus? Many of us, we, we feel so distracted by a ridiculous variety of other desires or other longings. We long for Christmas Day. We long for our next vacation. We long for a better job. We long for the right friend or spouse. We long for our baby to just fall asleep. Or we long for our toddlers to get out of diapers. Or or we long for that broken relationship to be healed. We know longing. But to be honest, if we're honest with ourselves, do we long to be with God? Jesus. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty right now, but I'm trying to inspire you to a deeper place of affection and longing for Jesus. Jesus has told his disciples that he's going away to prepare a place for them, but don't worry because he, he will come back when it's ready. So the disciples, they are rightly setting their eyes on Jesus. They can't wait to go with him. They can't wait to be with him. So what do we make of Jesus' later words to his disciples when, when he gets arrested, he's crucified, he's resurrected, and then he appears to them and he says this just a few chapters later in John 20, verse 21. Jesus says this, he appears to them and he says, peace be with you. After he said this, um, oh, I'm jumping. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. And can you picture the disciples? They're thinking, no, we've just gone through this excruciating pain for the last few days as you've gone away. You now appear to us. You told us that you were going to go away and come back and bring us with you, but you come back and now you're sending us away? Well, for the next, um, the next bit of time that Jesus spent with his disciples, he describes to them the way that he intends to send them to make disciples of all nations. And the disciples come to realize that, that their home is with Jesus, who, who is going away. Their home is there. But, but the work that God has for them is here. If my home is there, then my eyes need to be fixed on. My longing needs to be fixed on that. But if the work that God has for me to do is here, then I need to set up camp here. This is where my life is to be lived. Hebrews eleven sixteen calls us foreigners and strangers in this world. Jesus wants for us to long for him even while we're, we're called to reach all of them. We're sent to them while we're supposed to long for, set our eyes on him. My eyes are there, but my hands are put to work here. I think of um, the snow that we got on Wednesday. How many of you kiddos are watching and do you loved this waking up on Wednesday morning to see the snow outside? I mean, I wonder about the, the snow forts and the snowballs and the snowmen that were created. Well, anyway, um, getting distracted by my own snow creations with my children. But um, when I woke up on Wednesday morning, I saw all the snow. My kids were excited. I realized um, I need to shovel shovel out our driveway and then get on to uh, writing a sermon. That's often what I do on a Wednesday when I have to preach on Sunday. So, so my eyes were set on the goal, get through this shoveling thing and so I can get to writing a sermon. So I get to this snow shoveling um, and and my boys, they, they're asking for help. They ask for a number of miscellaneous help with different things and and inside, there's some, some unhealthy stuff going on inside me where I think, ah, I, I need to get through this to get to writing the sermon. I, I need to get to this. Um, and fortunately, the, the spirit won out in, in some. I helped most of those moments, and I, I helped them with different things. And, and at some point, one of them looks at me and he says, Dad, thanks for taking a break to help me. And my heart melts. And I, and I realize it's, it's right for us to set our eyes, to have our eyes fixed on the goal. But don't miss the moments that you're being called to on your way to the goal. In fact, in the Christian life, being with Jesus one day, which is kind of the goal in a sense, being with Jesus one day is somehow inextricably linked to the moments that I'm called to in the here and now. As I follow the Spirit into the work of these moments, somehow I miraculously experience the presence of Jesus with me in those moments as I do his work that he's calling me to in the here and now. This is some of the beautiful and bewildering adventure of living with our eyes fixed on the glorious reality of one day fully being in the presence of God with Jesus and our hands put to work in the present and everyday moments of our lives. Here's what, it's look, here's what it looks like when I look out at, at our church family. I look at the way that you are living your lives. And I, I know of a family that I talked to recently who they hosted their neighbors for a uh, hot chocolate and cider gathering for their neighborhood. I I know of a couple who invited a number of uh, people over from countries all around the world to their house for Thanksgiving. And why did they do that? Because they wanted to put the work of their hands to, to sharing the love of Jesus in the here and now i know of a man who has intentional conversations with his non-christian brother-in-law i know of two families who regularly invite international students over for dinner so that they can have conversations about life and faith and why do they do that because they want to put the work of their hands to sharing jesus's love in the here and now I know of a woman in our congregation who's working regularly with refugees. I know of a woman who is meeting regularly with young women, helping them through decisions about life and faith. I know of a couple uh, who, who did a, a neighborhood outreach to the children in their neighborhood. And why are they doing these things? Because they want their, to put the work of their hands to sharing Jesus' love in the here and now. I know of a woman in our congregation who who looks after um, a number of the, the men and women that we know in Tippecanoe Villa. She takes time to visit them there and when they're in the hospital. And why does she do that? Because she wants to put the work of her hands to sharing the love of Jesus in the here and now. I know of a man who recently shared the gospel with an acquaintance. And that acquaintance accepted the gospel and became, walked into faith with Jesus. I know of a man who in our congregation who recently made more money than he expected this year. So he's asking questions how he can share that with those in need. Why are they doing that? Because they want to share the way the, they want to use the work of their hands to share the love of Jesus in the here and now. I know of a couple who bought a card and a gift for a new neighbor who was having a baby. I know of parents who are working hard to be intentional parents to disciple their children, to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. I know of a team of men and women who made 35 meals for international students at Thanksgiving. And and why are they doing those things? Because they want to put the work of their hands to sharing Jesus in the here and now. I know of a couple who who, uh, delivered 30 slices of pie to 30 different shut-ins. I think of the ways that you as a congregation have been giving sacrificially, financially this year to support the ministries that we are about here as a Covenant Church family. I think of um, the Angel Tree that many of us participated in, where we supported uh, through Angel Tree 43 families, that's 85 children with gifts and encouragement, You as a covenant family sent over 100 shoeboxes around the world to encourage children and share the message of Jesus with them. You as a covenant family, you provided 175 dinners for Murdoch Elementary School families that were passed out this last week. Why are you doing those things? Because you want to put the work of your hands to sharing Jesus in in the here and now with others. I see so many examples, beautiful examples of, of us setting our eyes on Jesus and the work of our hands on his kingdom work in the here and now. Does that have us living in two different worlds? Yes. And that's by design. That's why we've been given the Holy Spirit to inextricably link our presence with Jesus, with the work of our hands in the here and now. So long for more of Jesus. Long to be fully with him and seek to work for him while you're here. Set your eyes there, but put the work of your hands here. 2000 years ago Jesus came in a very surprising way and he's going to come again one day in a very surprising way long to be with him and work hard for him while you're here while we're waiting for him whom we long for I want to close this morning by encouraging you just to spend a moment a minute or two in reflection I want to put up two questions for you to be thinking about and I'd love for you to just spend a a moment or two in quiet asking yourself these two questions how would you describe your love for and longing for Jesus And then secondly, to be thinking about and talking to the Lord about what is some of the kingdom work to which God has called you here on earth this week? I want to encourage you just to take this next moment or two to quietly consider that before the Lord.